Get your Bibles out and open it up, I believe, to the book of Hebrews. I'm going to be reading out of Hebrews chapter 6 here in just a moment. We've been talking about the inner man. We've been talking about how we have, as human beings, been created triunally. Because we've been created in the image of God and He is a triune God. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. He created us in His image. And so there are three aspects of who we are. We are body, which is what you see by way of the shell that all of us have been created with. There's the soul portion of our existence. And again, if you've not been taught this, the soul area of who you are, it's an internal area. But it contains your mind, your, your emotions, your feelings, and it contains the, uh, the, the, the center for making decisions, your will. So when you're making decisions and you're making choices, where does that come from? Well, your decision center is in the area of the soul, your mind, your will, and your emotions. But it's this third area that doesn't get much attention, which is little s, spirit. Now there's the Holy Spirit, which is capital S, but we're not talking about the Holy Spirit, we're talking about your spirit. And in your spirit, I believe, and there are some variances as you read, but by and large, most people would agree with me, that in your inner man, the spirit portion of who you are, you will find your conscience. You know, when you get a conscience, where is where does that come from inside of you? Well, it comes from your inner man. You will find discernment. When you begin to sense things beyond the natural or you sense things behind the scenes or around the corner, where do those intuition qualities come from? It comes from your inner man. I also believe that communion or, or where you fellowship with God takes place in your inner man, in your spirit, little less. But we've been talking mostly these days about the imagination. And if you've not heard the teaching on imagination, I really encourage you to do that because I believe the imagination is one of the areas of who we are as people that has been effectively shut down by the enemy in order to keep us from moving into God's purpose, his plan, his promise, and God's destiny for our lives. He's shut down the imagination, and because the imagination has been shut down, we no longer have a concept or a vision of where it is we need to be going. And so that's what's going to begin to unlock that supernatural resource inside of us. If Jesus lives inside of you, and I know for most of you, you would say, yes, he does this morning. He lives inside of me. Well, if Jesus lives inside of you, that means all resource necessary for your success is there. Your healing, your deliverance, your success, everything is in there. He has equipped you to succeed. But the key is, how does that unlocked, and how does that begin to manifest in our life? Now, I don't want you to turn to these passages. I'm just going to mention them. I'll pick up on these passages later as well. You can just listen. But in the Old Testament, in the book of Joel, Joel prophesies of the latter days. And in the latter days, he says, that there will be an outpouring of the Holy Spirit that will take place of such proportion, he says that it will activate and increase the imagination. You say, really? I've never read that before. I've never seen that before. Well, this is how it reads. It says in Joel chapter 2, verse 28, he says, In the latter days I will pour forth of my spirit, and your old men will dream dreams, and your young men will see visions. How many of you know that's your imagination going right there? You're beginning to envision 
what it is God can do. And he says the reason that he begins to pour out dreams and visions and begins to expand your imagination is because it's going to be a key to reaching the global harvest. And if it's a key to reaching the global harvest, how many of you also realize that that we're going to need some resource to reach the harvest? And we're going to need ministry to reach the harvest. And we're going to need healing to reach the harvest. And we're going to need deliverance to reach the harvest. And until that imagination is unlocked, I don't believe any of that can take place. So is it any wonder that the enemy would like nothing better than to extinguish your righteous imagination? Is it any wonder that he doesn't want you to have dreams from God? Is it any wonder that he doesn't want you to get a vision? Is it any wonder that he doesn't want you to begin to see out of the inner man the possibilities for your life and the possibilities for what he could do in you, through you, for you? Is it any wonder that he would want to do his best to cut you off from those pictures? That's why it says in Proverbs 13, verse 12, It says this, it says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. Hope deferred makes the heart sick. I started reading through the scripture and every time I came across the word hope, I just slipped in the word imagination because that really is what hope is all about. Hope is when you begin to think or you begin to see and you begin to imagine that there could be a better day, there could be Something good coming your direction. There could be a door. There could be a deliverance. That's hope. But if, but if that's deferred, if that's extinguished, it makes you sick. The enemy knows that if he can extinguish your imagination, one of the main keys to your success and the church's success has effectively been eliminated. But here's the good news. The good news is the enemy cannot extinguish your imagination unless you allow it. You know, hope, hope is a lot like joy, I think. You know, the Bible says, Jesus said, he said, my joy I give to you. And he says, no one can take it away. He says, my joy I give to you and no one can take it away. But how many of you realize that there are times we don't have any joy? So where did it go? How did I lose it? What's up? Well, the key is nobody can take it away from you, but you can give it up. You can choose to let it go. You can choose to say, I don't want it anymore. I believe hope works very similarly. Jesus can give us dreams and visions. He can give us a hope. And the enemy can't come and take that away unless you decide you want to hand it over to him. I mean, how many dreams have you handed over to the enemy how many possibilities in your imagination have you relinquished to the enemy too many i suspect to even begin to count and so the question is can i get them back can i somehow recover them and the answer is yes you can recover them in fact in joel chapter 2 verse 25 in the same chapter that god says he's going to pour forth of his spirit and old men will dream and young men will see visions he said in Verse 25 of that chapter, he said, I'll restore the years. I'll restore to you the years that the canker worm and the swarming locust and the gnawing locust, you know, and the whatever locust. I don't know. There are all kinds of locusts. But he said, I'm going to restore the years that all those termites and bugs have chewed up in your life. But you've got to learn how to maintain 
that godly righteous imagination. And so I want to talk to you this morning on what I called, and I mentioned it last week, the evaporation of imagination. Evaporation of imagination. In the book of Hebrews chapter 6, listen to this real quickly. I'm not sure I'm going to read all the verses. I may stop here in the middle of this passage. Hebrews 6, 13. We're going to talk about Abram again. It says, For when God made a promise to Abraham, because he could swear by no one greater, he swore by himself. You know, oftentimes you'll hear people say, I swear to God it's true. I swear to God it's true. Well, what does God do? Well, he goes, I swear to myself. That's what God does. I swear to myself, it's true. Saying, surely blessing, I will bless you. And multiplying, I will multiply you. And so, and this is the verse you may need to underline right here. And so, after he, meaning Abraham, had patiently endured. Oh, isn't that a great two words right there? Patiently endured, he obtained the promise. It didn't say that after he said Shundai and whirled his hand around and it happened 24 hours later, he got it. He patiently endured and he obtained the promise. I'm just going to stop there this morning. And again, I mentioned to you, and you can pick this up on iTunes or get you a CD, but I mentioned last week about Abraham as an example to the power of imagination. You remember I told you that God led him out of his tent on the plains of Ur and he pointed to a night sky that was filled with stars and he said, Abram, look at the stars. They're too innumerable to count, but I tell you tonight that your descendants will be as great, even greater than the number of these stars. And he was, the Lord was looking at Abraham and he was saying, begin to imagine what could happen. Begin to imagine what, what I want to do in your life. Just, just use this as an illustration. Imagine. But yet we find in the book of Hebrews that even as God said that incredible dramatic thing, that it was still important for Abram to patiently endure. Patiently endure some things in order to see the promise manifested. Now, again, some of these things may sound rather simplistic, but I have found just the longer I live for the Lord, really kingdom things are pretty simple. I mean, we're always looking for some high-tech you know, sort of detailed, technologically, you know, revelatory key. If I could just get that kind of, that sort of obscure, you know, we can, we can look in some obscure book of the Old Testament and we can apply this and that and I'll get the key that will just, that will open up everything I need to happen in my life. Can I just tell you that God's ways are pretty simple. The cross is pretty simple. And this may sound simplistic, but I believe that the restoring of the promise or the manifesting part of the promise is easy. I really think that's the easy part. Nothing can stop God. He can manifest a promise. He can restore to you anything he wants to restore. He isn't going to be stopped. Nothing can hold him back. He can blow through anytime he wants to. The hard part is understanding and combating the insidious work of the enemy on a daily basis to evaporate our hope. The enemy is after us constantly to somehow make murky or cloudy the imagination that God has put inside of us in order to produce hope. Let me just say this. Dreams never die instantly. Dreams never die instantly. Your imagination doesn't dry up and die instantly. It slowly evaporates 
it, it slowly begins to diminish. And for most people, they don't even realize it's happening. It's like the frog in the kettle. As the heat's getting turned up, the frog doesn't know enough to jump out because he can't even perceive that it's getting hotter until the time comes when he's, you know, frog, you know, fricassee, you know, whatever that is. I got a chef here. That's not fricassee, is it, Jason? That's just a boiled frog. See, that's why I preach and don't cook. But in a boiling kettle, you know how a boiling kettle works. If you just let it boil and boil, it, it doesn't all of a sudden lose all of its water. You know the steam that comes off a boiling kettle, but it slowly diminishes the liquid. It diminishes the contents until if it's just let go, you'll boil everything out of the kettle and nothing is left. That's exactly how the enemy works in our imagination. Things just get turned on by way of heat in our life and, and, and the heat stays on us and it boils and it boils and the imagination boils and it doesn't leave instantly. There's something in there, but a day finally arrives when, when the imagination box is empty. Remember back when you were a kid. Think about it, what you imagined yourself to be. Some of you imagined yourself to be musicians. Some of you imagined yourself to be a sports star in the NFL or the NBA. Some of you imagined yourself as a TV character, as some singer. You, you imagined yourself in all sorts of forums and ways. You may have ima imagined yourself as a soldier in the military. You may have imagined yourself as a, as a, as a doctor or a missionary or a preacher. Or any one of a number of things. You had that imagination at one time in your life. A and the question I have for you is when did you lose it? You probably can't even tell me exactly when you lost it because it just evaporated. For some of us, it just evaporated into adulthood. We grew up, we left behind some things as children and we came into our adulthood and there were bills to pay and jobs to go to and pressures on our life and all the things that hit us as adults until the imagination just evaporated away. In fact, for most adults, there's very little imagination that goes on in their life. And that is why I believe personally it's why we're consumed with entertainment. We don't have enough time to imagine anymore and so we plop ourselves down in front of television sets and movie screens and, and we, 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 we are entertained for a few moments because it fills a void inside of us because we don't have any imagination. We, we watch what Hollywood could put before us because they, they take our imagination and we just have to sit there and let them take us on the journey. And we have effectively released one of the most important keys that God put inside of us in order to hit our destiny, and that is the imagination. The question is, what evaporates it? We have got to begin to arise and deal with that. I want you to turn now to the book of Ezekiel. And uh, I don't know that I can read this whole chapter either for the sake of time, but many of you know the chapter 37. You've heard me teach on this in various ways and forms before in times past. But in Ezekiel 37, we find the account of Ezekiel the prophet receiving a vision, a prophetic vision from the Lord concerning dry bones. How many of you have heard the song, the leg bones connected to the hip bone, you know, and, and you know, that's hear the word of the Lord. And it comes out of Ezekiel's vision, chapter 37. And uh, I'm just going to mention a few verses and you can read the whole account. But basically, the, 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 the scripture tells us that Ezekiel was pulled into a vision and he began to see this, this uh, valley that was full of bones. 
And it goes through here and it talks about the state of the bones and how the bones were scattered. And, 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 and the Lord asks him questions about whether or not these bones can come together again. And, and Ezekiel says it's such a d- desperate situation. He goes, I'm not even sure that, that Lord, they could be put back together. But the Lord says to speak the word of the Lord, to prophesy over them. And all of a sudden you see these skeletons begin to move quickly, swiftly. And they begin to find their proper place. And then at the end of this uh, particular uh, chapter in verses 11 through 14, we hear the we hear the interpretation of the whole vision and what was beginning to take place. And I was thinking about this as I was writing these notes concerning evaporation and imagination. And here many people, they'll usually interpret it one of two ways. They'll either say that this is uh, national Israel who is being brought back together into their own land. Or it may well be the church, Abraham's seed in a more expanded way, being brought together in order that they could go into the purposes of God together. It doesn't really matter which way you want to interpret it. The bottom line and the point I'm trying to make is this, is that something had to happen in the midst of these scattered bones in order for them to begin to walk into their destiny. They had literally become dead men walking. They had literally become this dried up mess of people who had lost their imagination. In fact, in verse 2 of chapter 37, as Ezekiel is looking out amongst all of these bones, it says there were very many in the open valley, and indeed, they were very dry. They were dry bones. They had the heat on them for so long, the pan had dried up. In fact, in verse 11, it says this, that because they were dry, he says... Son of man, these bones are the whole house of Israel. They indeed say our bones are dry. And then what does it say? Our hope is lost. We have no ability to conceive anymore. We have no ability to see. We have no imagination. Our hope is lost. It's been so dry for so long. But the good news in the passage is that these verses also illustrate what restores the imagination to them. And I'm going to talk about that in just a moment. But let's talk about some reasons for evaporation. Because truth of the matter is you cannot escape this. You are going to face these issues in your life that are going to seek to snuff out righteous dreaming. It will seek to snuff out righteous hope and imagination that God wants you to develop in order that you can begin to see his resource unlocked in and through you. And and let me just give you a couple of these. Number one is environment. What evaporates your imagination? Well, the first one I want to mention is environment. Ezekiel said the bones were in a valley. They were in an environment where evaporation could take place. The enemy will always attempt to use your environment to so captivate your senses that you can't imagine anything else. There are some of you right now, you are so captivated by your environment, you can't imagine I'm not, I'm not picking on you. I'm just saying we, we, we all have an environment. You can't imagine getting out of public housing and living in anything better than section one housing. You can't imagine working at anything besides what you do right now, eight to five every day. You just can't imagine your environment has so conditioned your senses that you can't break out of it. In fact, your whole world exists within those boundaries and everything you know of God exists within that environment. You can't think of anything but where you're at. You can't think of Anything besides living paycheck to paycheck, week to week. You can't even envision the day when you've got a little bit more money uh, stuffed in the savings account and a little bit extra that you can do something with. You can't envision that. 
It's because your environment, your environment has just been relentlessly full of heat on your life to the point that your dreams of, of thinking it could ever be different have simply gone away. A number of weeks ago, I was out uh, golfing. I was golfing with Wally. He's my golf partner every now and then. And we decided we were going to, Tyler was with me, and we were going to go golf on one of the coldest days of the year. You remember that day, Wally? I mean... I mean, it was, it was 45 degrees and the wind was blowing about 30 miles an hour. I can say this. We weren't pressed from behind by, by other golfers that were wanting to overtake us. I mean, it was cold. It was so, I can't even, I can't even describe to you how cold it was out there. And, uh, you know, the first few holes, you can kind of grit your teeth and you press through it, but it didn't take long that you were, you are so cold that that's all you could think about is how cold it was out here. And we'd laugh and we'd ask, are you running, want to keep going? And we'd go, yeah, we're going to keep going. At least we said we did it. We're going to keep going. And of course, we'd chuckle about it. But it got so cold. And for those of you that play golf, you would understand this quickly. For those of you that don't, this might not instantly come to you. But golf is a game of envisioning. When you come up to the ball and you look at the pin and you're ready to take your swing, you have to, I do at least, I have to envision my swing. I have to envision where the ball is going to be hit and where it's supposed to land. I envision the angles. I have to, that's how you play golf. You have to, you have to envision. That's why they take so long if you watch it on TV when they're up to putt, you know, and they're doing all this stuff and they walk around it. And they, for years I'd look and say, what are they doing? Just hit the thing. Cause they'd walk around the thing for 20 minutes. Just circle in it. And then they'd come up and hit it. And I didn't realize until you get into the game that they're doing that to envision. They begin to see the ball roll and fall into the cup. And do you realize for Tiger Woods, that's been quite profitable. But it was so cold that day. The environment was so cold that I would come to the ball and I would say, Sweet Jesus, it is cold. It is cold. I don't care where this ball lands. Just get it close. Hurry. It was speed golf that day. Because your environment was so controlling you. It was controlling your envisioning. It was controlling your imagination. You're just cold. And that's how it works in some of your lives right now. Your environment is so controlling you and so controlling your senses that you can't break out. You can't, I'm not saying quit your job or move from where you're at. I'm not saying that, but you've got to shake out of your senses every now and then. And you've got to begin to imagine and see. Because the enemy's using your environment to keep you locked into the natural. And once you're locked into the natural, you miss the supernatural. Environment. Amen. Number two. What evaporates? That imagination. Disappointment. Says the Bible here says that if you read through here about the bones, it says that they were cut off from one another. I started thinking about that. What does it mean to be cut off from one another? You know what I think it meant? I think it meant hurt. They were hurt. They were disappointed. People had let them down. And when you're hurt or when you're disappointed, you don't dream anymore. Because most of our dreams involve some form or fashion of relationship with people. 
And we don't dream because we don't want to be disappointed. People have hurt us. People have wounded us. They've disappointed us. They've not lived up to their, 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 their better dispositions. And so we just don't want to go through that heartache again. We don't want to go through that disappointment again. And because of that, we don't dream anymore. Folks, I'm just telling you, that was me. I was just disappointed. It's not that I hated people and it wasn't that I disliked you and it wasn't that I didn't know people weren't an important part of life and interaction. But I'm just telling you, you get hurt enough by people and people do dumb stuff. And you know what? This is, this is the greatest liberating thing. People will always do stupid things. You know what? And I'll do stupid things. I, you know, I'm not exempt from that either. None of us are. But the key is whether or not that is going to snuff out your imagination and your dreaming. And there comes a moment when you can't let a person or two along the way extinguish your imagination. They're not God. They're not the dream giver. They're not the one who can make it happen. Your boss isn't God. Are you listening to me? Your spouse isn't God. I mean, I'm saying God works through authority. I understand. But you need to get back to God's dream in your life. And if you can't overcome your disappointments, then you're probably going to stay right where you're at. Number three, another reason for evaporation is fatigue. Fatigue. The Bible says that they were in their graves. I guess if you're laying in a grave, that means you're pretty tired. When you're physically tired, when you're physically depleted, when you're, when you're internally weary, we call it burnout. You know what burnout is? Burnout is when you're tired. You're just, you're, you're so tired, you can't, you can't get your internal energy back. And fatigue, that'll snuff out your dreams. You're just, you're, you're an exhausted volcano. You've given and given and given and given and given, and you're exhausted. It's not that you're in bad health, maybe. It's not that you couldn't even be in your younger years. It's just you're, you're exhausted. And because you're exhausted and spent, that fatigue just begins to snuff out your ability to imagine. And that's why the, the Bible says that there yet remains a rest in Jesus Christ. That's why there is yet a renewal and a refreshing in the spirit. That is why God can still work within your innermost region. And you may feel burned out this morning, but here's the good news that God can light you up and you're not burned out. He'll just put some more fuel there inside of you so that you can begin to dream again and move again and pursue again. Fatigue. And then finally, number four, I wrote down here the routine. What evaporates your imagination? The routine. I mean, here are all these bones in a cemetery. And there's no more routine place than a graveyard. Have you ever driven by a graveyard? Last time I looked, it hadn't changed much since the last time I drove by. A few more may have been added. Always a couple people dropping by. But it's a pretty routine place. People are buried. Flowers are put on graves, people leave, they come back on special holidays, they memorialize their loved ones, but I'll be honest with you, it's not exactly the greatest place of exuberation and happening and excitement. It's a cemetery, and it's very routine. In fact, when services are held, they're very routine. We know how it goes, we know how it works, we know how it all happens, we know that it, it's quiet, we know what has to be said, we know all the different things, it's routine. And when life becomes routine, when all you do is go through the motions of life, you cease to imagine. A cemetery, I will grant you, is a safe place. A cemetery is a stable place because of the routine. But it is not a place of dreams. 
It is a place of remembering the past. And the good things at times that happened in the past, nothing wrong with that. But understand, because of the routine, it snuffs out the imagination and the capacity to begin to dream. And I'll tell you this, even the enemy has, has taken that away from us because because the Bible tells us that there's going to come a day that when the Lord comes back and he splits the eastern sky, it says that the dead in Christ will rise first and we who are alive will be caught in the air with him. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And I tell people at gravesides all the time that today it is a sorrowful, mournful, gloomy place, but there will come a day, hallelujah, that the cemeteries of the world will be the most exciting ground you could be standing on as they split open and people go to be with the Lord. But he's even taken that away from us because we go there and we weep and we mourn and certainly we grieve. But we f- we forget that this place, these cemeteries all around town, one of these days are going to go. <laughs> Man, imagine. But that's how the enemy does it. He snuffs it out. So what restores it? Write these down real quick. I'm going to give you three quick things. What restores the imagination? Number one, you've got to keep the word of the Lord before you. God cannot do that and make you keep it before you. He will declare it. He will speak it. He'll bring it to you at church or in your devotional time, through a tape, through a CD, through a DVD. And he will give you the word of the Lord in so many ways. But he can't force you to keep it before you. You've got to choose to write it down, listen to it. Keep it before your eyes. Keep the promises of God before your eyes. In 1 Timothy 1.18, it's, it's one of those verses that I have underlined in my Bible because Paul looks at this young man, Timothy, and he says in 1 Timothy 1.18, he says, This charge or this command I commit to you, son Timothy, according to the prophecies previously made concerning you, that by them you may wage the good warfare. Having faith and a good conscience, which some have rejected concerning the faith and have suffered shipwreck. He said those that shipwreck their lives and and those who lose their consciences. He says those are the ones that didn't keep the word of the Lord before them and, and use it as a weapon in their hand to say, I refuse to look at my current situation. I refuse to look at my current environment. I refuse to let my natural eyes see that alone, but I see the word of the Lord. I see the promise of God. I see what it is that he has spoken and it is true and it will not lie and it will come though it tarry, it will come. And you've got to keep that word before you. You've got to determine, how do I do that? Well, put it on your refrigerator. Put it on your mirror as you get up in the morning. Put it in your car stereo. Tape it to your rear view mirror. What's it going to take to keep the word of the Lord in front of you to remind you that this is what God has said? Keeping it in front of you, number one. Number two, we've got to have an ongoing relationship with the Holy Spirit. I'm convinced of this, that it's the Holy Spirit who is the executor in our lives of keeping God's will, God's way, God's presence kindled and stirred in our lives. If we diminish the Holy Spirit, we will lose His effective work in us to keep before us The hope of God. He's the one who gives. Joel said it. He said, I will pour out of my spirit and you'll have dreams and you'll have visions. And so you've got to be in a place where the Holy Spirit is revered. 
Now, we, we understand God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. I understand how in that hierarchy there's authority. But truth of the matter is, it's the Holy Spirit who's in the earth today beginning to glorify the Son, implement the will of the Father. He's the one we've got to deal with. And we have got to honor and revere the place of the Holy Spirit because if he's in the place, he'll begin to rekindle. That's what it says. It says when Ezekiel prophesied, it said that the breath came from the four corners of the world. The breath came and breathed on them, actually blew a wind across them that caused them to arise. And the Bible says that as they arose, they became an exceedingly great army. And understand that armies don't have to be tens of thousands. Armies can be just like Gideon's bunch of about 300. And that's more than enough to get the job done. But they've got to be full of God and full of the Spirit and full of imagination of what God can do. And then finally, number three, I put down here, you've got a desire and you've got to maintain your wholeness. You've got to desire and maintain your wholeness. If you're hurt today, the only thing that's keeping you hurt is you. Are you hearing me? If you're wounded or you're disappointed today, the only thing that's keeping you in that condition is you. You say, well, it's this person. And if they, you know what? They're going to go on with their life. They couldn't care less about your woundedness and hurt and disappointment. They don't, I'm not saying even if they knew, they still, even if you, all of a sudden they became aware because this is what many people think. They say to themselves, ah, if this person would become aware of how bad they hurt me, then I'd be healed. No, you wouldn't because they can't heal you. That would, that would take out the cross. God is the only one that can heal you. I've heard people say this, well, you know, time will ultimately heal you. No, it won't. No, it won't. Because if time could heal you, then you wouldn't need the cross. You wouldn't need the Lord. It'll suppress it. It'll push it down. It won't flare up as much, but you won't be healed and you won't be whole. We've got to get whole and maintain our wholeness. Hurt and disappointed people will never imagine great and mighty things. You can't right now. All you imagine is getting even. You imagine getting vindicated. You imagine what God, you know, God, you need to put fleas in their bed. You know, you need to. You need to let their houses be infested by termites. I mean, that's what we begin to envision when we're hurt and when we're disappointed. And you will never get godly, righteous imagination while you stay that way. You've got to let it go. Get it healed. Let the cross minister that wholeness to you. You know, it's interesting to me that when it comes to imagination, the world respects this more than the church does at times. I'm amazed. I was just sitting with pastors this past week in Chicago and we had gathered around a table and it was actually called a war council. There were 10 of us and we came from Wisconsin, Illinois, Indiana, South Carolina, Louisiana. I mean, we had come from all different quarters of the nation sitting down talking about what God is doing. And and as we were sharing, many things were shared, but I got to share just a little bit on imagination. And you could see it light up in the room. It's not that they didn't know it or they hadn't thought of it, but it's just as if, you know, God was underscoring something. And it began to light up the imagination. And they began to just work with that for just a moment. And it is such a vital thing in the life of the church. But I'm going to be honest with you. We in the church downplay it so much. We, 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 we don't take time to cultivate it. We, 
We are so fearful that somehow or another it will be a vain imagination or a futile imagination or an evil imagination or a selfish imagination. And you know what? I'm just trusting God to share with me somehow or some way if I'm getting into that, he's going to get me that information. But I cannot be fearful of what the enemy does to corrupt something by not getting into it. Just because there's false apostles doesn't mean I don't pursue a true one. Just because there's false teachers doesn't mean I don't want to hear from a true one. Just because someone will give you a false prophecy, it doesn't mean there aren't true prophets and true prophecy. I'm telling you, just because there's counterfeit in the earth, don't you let that somehow push you away from the reality there is in God. There may be psychics on the corner, but there are prophets in the earth. And I'm going to continue to just pursue righteous imagination. But the world gets this. Some of you have watched the movie years ago, Rudy. You remember the movie Rudy? He had a dream Rudy did to play for Notre Dame. All his life he spent preparing to play football for Notre Dame. He's just sort of small in stature. And to be honest with you, you knew instantly in the movie there was no way he was going to play for a Division I school like Notre Dame. His dad tried to discourage him from that particular dream. His family demeaned his dream. They didn't even let him into Notre Dame because his grades weren't good enough, so he had to go to another Catholic college in order to get his grades up. But he went to that college, getting his grades up, believing somehow or another he was going to get to Notre Dame. And finally, after a couple years in that college, they accepted him at Notre Dame. And so he went on with the walk-ons, and he had to begin to you know, play with the walk-ons and they were the tackling dummies and they were the ones that the first string would run into and just knock the blazes out of, you know, because that's who they'd practice on, these these people that would never, ever get into a real live game. And all through his college career, he kept going to practice and he kept being the tackling dummy and he'd have to work on his grades and he would do all of these sorts of things until finally the last game of his senior year. He had been promised by Era Parsegian to play in that last game, but Era had retired and Dan Devine had come in. And Dan Devine didn't know of any promise that was made and he wasn't going to put Rudy into the game. But you come down to the last few minutes of the ball game. It's the last couple plays of his last season. A homestand. Family in the stands. Everybody looking around. When suddenly the whole team begins to holler out, Rudy, Rudy, Rudy. Rudy and the fans in the stands get Rudy going, Rudy going until finally Dan Devine just says, put him in. And here's this little guy going up against these massive Division I college players. And he makes the tackle. He, I think, may have recovered a fumble. But his dream came to pass because he just stayed in the hunt and he didn't let it get extinguished by his environment. He didn't let family tear it away from him. He didn't let fatigue or the routine snuff it out. I was watching just the other night the movie Invincible. Some of you perhaps have watched that of Vince Papalia, who was a 30-year-old who tried out for the Philadelphia Eagles. And they made fun of him, and he was too old, and he couldn't do it. And yet he decided he was going to walk on with Dick Vermeil. And, and, and you know the story. He makes it, and he actually gets to play. And he ends up playing for three years in the NFL as one of the great players of the Philadelphia Eagles and one of the great stories of the Philadelphia Eagles. But I'm telling you, he had friends tell him he couldn't do it. He had his dad write it down on a piece of paper. Don't you believe in people? Don't you put your expectations in anyone? Don't you, don't you think this can happen? I mean, it was the most discouraging note. And Vince Papaya took that discouraging note and he put it in his locker. And every time he looked at that discouraging note, he said, that will not be me. 
It will not be me. And it wasn't him. No one thought he could do it. But he ended up pressing through all the evaporating forces that were around him. This is important, folks. It's important for you as a person. It's important for us as a people to begin to imagine. In my house, I'm not saying we do everything right. And if you followed me around 24-7, I'm quite sure I'd disappoint you. But in our house, we do our best to encourage righteous imagination. My oldest son came and said that he wanted to go to Australia. And I'll be honest with you, when Clay said Australia, the first thing that came into mind was, where do we get the money? There ain't no scholarships. Is he old enough to do this? And, and, and I was going down my list. But there came a moment in our household that we had to determine whether or not we're just going to declare the safe stuff or whether we're going to encourage some imagination. And we're going to begin to encourage even our young people to go after their dreams. And it's amazing how, how through that imagination God has done things. And, and you may not know it because he went to Gainesville. But here this summer, let me just declare to you, this summer my son will be the opening singer and the opening act for the Forward Conference as he performs before 10,000 young people. Now, let me tell you, and I'm proud of him, and I share that because I'm proud of him, obviously, as a dad. But let me just share this with you. Somebody had to encourage the dream. Somebody had to resource some dreams. Somebody had to say, it's out of the norm. It's not the way we conceive of doing this. But you know what? I'm going to encourage you in doing this. And there are dreams that are achieved. I'm telling you, that's why Paul looked at the young people and he said, don't let anyone look down on you because of your youth, Timothy. You can imagine, and I understand your parents will look at you, some of you, and they will give you a thousand reasons why not. And you need to listen to their wisdom. I'm not saying be rebellious, because you can get rebellion out of this if you aren't careful. But you keep your dreams. And God will somehow bring dreaming to pass. And I'm telling you to parents this morning, you need, you need to ask yourself, is this righteous dreaming? I'm not saying you can just do every wishful thought, but there's some good righteous dreaming that we've got to enter into. My son's in, other son's in Pensacola, and we encouraged him, go chase your dreams. Kalen's already beginning to say, where am I going to go? What can I pursue? Dream. What's your dream? Don't let, I am not going to be the fire extinguisher of my kid's life. I'm not going to be that. It doesn't mean they get everything they want, and it doesn't mean I underscore or underwrite everything they want. But I'm sure not going to be the extinguisher in their life. I want to be the one that fans the flame in their life. Don't let people crush your imagination. 1 Peter chapter 3. 1 Peter 3.15, it says this. It says, sanctify or set apart the Lord God in your heart and always be ready to give a defense to everyone who asks you a reason for the hope that is in you with meekness and with fear. He says, set the Lord apart in your heart and be ready, just be ready to give a reason for the hope you have. Give a reason. God spoke to me. I heard it just as clear as I'm hearing you. I found it in his word where he says that it is, it is a good thing for me to begin to imagine and to believe this. I don't care what you say. I, I, I believe I've heard from God in this. And with all humility and meekness, I'm not rubbing it in people's noses or I'm, I'm not shoving it down people's throats. But I just believe that if I humble myself before the hand of God, that he will exalt me in due season. I believe that if I exercise pride, that he will resist me all the way. But God is in the business 
of bringing dreams to pass. He's in the business of taking what only you could only imagine and beginning to manifest it before your very eyes. It is time to encourage dreaming. 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 I remember sitting at the closing table. And when they asked me the question about when are you going to be on that property? And I said, 19 months. And they looked like Kermit the Frog, all of them, just 19 months. That's right. See, they just don't hear dreaming anymore. They don't hear imagination anymore. They don't, they don't think things like that are even possible anymore. Nehemiah built a wall in 52 days. Five million people were delivered from Egypt overnight. Joshua got into the land and took on the giants in the span of one day once the Lord spoke to him. God can do this. 24 hours from now, you don't know what God might not bring because you envisioned and dreamed it. You just don't know. But that has to be rekindled. It has to be rekindled. Would you stand with me, please? It's that time. And I'll tell you what I want to do this morning. How many of you would be honest with me as we're standing together, heads bowed, eyes closed, nobody looking around? I'm talking to you right now. How many of you would say this morning, and I know I've been speaking on this subject for the last month, it seems like, but yet this morning you would still be honest enough to say, for whatever reason, maybe one that I mentioned to you, maybe one that I didn't even mention, but the Lord brought it to your attention, but you would be honest enough to say, hey, pastor, my dreams have been extinguished. My, my imagination has just flat out evaporated. And, and you would just say, that's me. Just lift your hand right now. Let the Lord see it. Let the Lord see it. That's, that's me this morning. Man, my dreams, they've, just, they've gone up in smoke. You can put your hand down. Holy Spirit, I ask you right now to begin to stir in this place. Lord, I don't want to pray just for another walk down to the front. I don't want to pray that we just do what we do by way of routine. But Lord, I pray this morning that that your spirit in this place would begin to stir in these people's hearts in an incredible, unusual way to ignite them again in their imagination. Holy Spirit, we need you. This is your business. I can't reach down into their heart, into their inner man. I can't do it as a human being, Lord. There's, there's no way, even if I was a medical doctor and could do surgeries and I opened them up and could literally put their heart in my hand, Lord, I, I, it, it won't touch the inner man part of them. So, Lord, your hand must now go to each one of them and begin to rekindle in the name of Jesus dreams and visions. That you rekindle, Lord, the imagination. Some has been put up and on a shelf for so long, and we need to blow the dust off it and get it off that shelf. And begin to say, be enlivened again, be ignited again. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I'm going to pray now for that to happen specifically. And if that was you, I want you to come. You're just saying, my dreams have evaporated. I want you just to come and line up. Just, just line up. I'm not going to lay hands on you. I just want you to come down and line up for a minute. Because God stirs at the altars of his church. His spirit moves in this place. And right now, he can rekindle your dreams. And all you're coming to is saying, Lord, I'm coming to the fire to have it rekindled. I'm coming, Lord. To you right now in order for you to, to make me whole. If you're, if you're not whole, if you're not mended, then he can do that right now. Right now, if, if you're finding yourself not keeping the word of the Lord before you, then right now he's telling you what to do. 
by way of keeping his word before your very eyes in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. He's doing that. Father, you see these people. Congregation, extend your hands right now because we're just going to rekindle. Holy Spirit, right now, just rekindle these people right now in Jesus' name. Rekindle their imagination. Rekindle possibilities in the name of Jesus. Rekindle in them, Lord, what it is that maybe years ago you spoke to them by way of possibility. But for all the things they have faced, it's been taken away. And Lord, we say to the thief, you must restore now. Restore in the name of Jesus. Lord, we release right now into these spirits of men and women. Lord, the the word of the Lord, the promise of God. Rekindle it right now in Jesus' name. Rekindle this thing in the name of Jesus. We stir it up in this place right now. We stir it up right now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Rekindle the flame. Rekindle the fire. Rekindle the passion. Rekindle the passion. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Ma'am, what's your name? Marilyn, thank you. I know Marilyn. As soon as you said Marilyn, I said, I know you. Hallelujah. Father, thank you for Marilyn. Thank you, Lord, that the passion for that dream is coming back. Lord, the one that was extinguished and taken away even years ago. And Lord, through no fault of her own, but Lord, it was taken away nonetheless. And we just say right now, let it ignite in you in Jesus' name. Let it come forth in the name of Jesus. Let it begin to spring up inside of you and let it beget life in you in Jesus' name. Not frustration. In fact, you said, if I think about it, I'll just be frustrated that I'm not there. I break that in the name of Jesus. And I declare it shall not frustrate, but it shall ignite life and it shall ignite hope. For the Lord isn't frustrating you. He's bringing you into a new season even now in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Come on, he's stirring it up right now. You just say, Lord, thank you for stirring it up in me right now. You need to do your work. Come on, it's not just a prayer line. It's it's saying, Lord, I come to you. Stir that up in me again in the name of Jesus. Come on, what is it? What is it that God has said he wanted to do and you think that somehow it can't happen? Nothing shall be impossible with God. Come on, say it. Say it right now to the Spirit of God. Say, Lord, stir it in me again in Jesus' name. I want everybody, I want to hear that in the house. Everyone together say, in the name of Jesus, stir it in me. The dreams, the vision, that which was of old, that's been evaporated, let it come again. Fill up my kettle, full overflowing. Do it, Lord. Thank you, it's happening. You cannot be stopped. Forgive me. For stopping you, I ignite it inside of me in Jesus' name. Amen. Can you say, so be it? So be it. So be it. Okay, guys, this is how we're going to end. I want you to go ahead and hit that. If you guys are ready, I want everyone to remain standing. You stay right here. And we're going to sing. I'm going to play a little CD, and they got the words. But, Gary, I need you to crease us this morning, okay? I need this a little louder so people can't hear it, but go ahead and start. And when you're ready, just go ahead and put put it up. You all have heard this so many times now. You should be able to sing this with your eyes closed.
Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. That's your commissioning. The church isn't an organization. Man, it's you. It's me. Church, church isn't just getting your paperwork right and, and, and being able to sign papers. And that's the church. It's not a building. It's you and me. We're the called out ones, the church. God needs you to dream. You got to walk out of here and say, God needs me. Whatever it is that he put in you that was lost, he needs that or he wouldn't have given it. He needs it. I mean, the sad part is, is that if we let it go, he'll find somebody who'll pick it up. But he originally gave it to you. You've got to keep it before you. Father, right now I pray again that you will seal now and establish in the hearts of these people. Lord, I pray for the congregation as a whole. Lord, whether they're standing in the front or they've remained in their seats, Lord, you've called us all to envision, to imagine, to imagine for our personal lives, to imagine for our families, imagine for our relationships, to imagine, Lord, for our corporate gathering. Lord, you've put so much possibility into our imagination, Lord. We, We again just repent, Lord, from letting it slip. But we dust ourselves off when we turn ourselves around as you've empowered us by grace to say, Lord, we are walking again in the light of your dream and in the light of your vision and what you're doing in the earth. We're embracing it one more time. And Lord, I pray that you would now establish it in these people's hearts. I pray, Lord, that even as the enemy would contend that like Abraham of old, they would patiently endure, patiently endure until they obtain the promise. Come on, everyone say, I will. Patiently endure until I obtain God's promise. Lord, thank you today for that. I believe you're doing something special in us. And we expect a great midweek and a great Sunday, Lord, as we go give you thanks as we cross our Jordan into the land. Thank you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. Give the Lord a big hand clap. Amen. God bless you. Encourage each other now. Don't be afraid to share a dream or two. 
And everyone here be an encourager to the dreams. Amen. You're released. Love each other and we'll hope to see you Wednesday. God bless you.